September 17th, 2021. This is Ablecraft, episode 9. I'm Abel Kirby. And I'm Sir Spencer. We are listening to the uh, the dulcet tones of the chirping. That's right. Yeah, they're gonna be, we've got an extra guest on the show today. Our first guest is uh, Senor Cricket. Yeah, the, the musical the guest. The musical, musical guest. guest. Yeah. yeah, let's see if let's see if we can find him. Yeah, you can turn it up real. I think there's a couple of them now, <laughs> which uh, seems lewd for this show. Yeah, they're getting at it. Uh, <laughs> keep multiplying, <laughs> you know. It's they're making a chorus. This is also our first episode with uh, with uh, coitus on it, though it's cricket coitus. So. First. Uh, but I promise we won't let it be the last. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so on Ablecraft, we like to discuss things uh, pertaining to podcasting 2.0, um, Bitcoin, uh, and specifically, we have a, a directed objective to talk about our uh, little music project that Sir Spencer and I have been on for a little while. Uh, we'll get to all that in, in good time. But I wanted to start with some podcasting 2.0 stuff, and the first thing i wanted to bring up was uh did you listen to the last episode from last week? i haven't yet I've, wow. I've got it in my queue and i was gonna listen to today's and then yes then yesterday's because yeah. i'm a freak well that's fine um, the 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 highlight of it was uh dave jones personal story uh that he shares inside it where he's talks about some of his history and uh it gets a little more personal than he i've ever heard him uh, oh nice yeah after listening might... for a year on podcasting 2.0 we see a little bit more of the man behind it so it's I'm a big time Dave Jones fan, so yep. now you got me excited. Now I'm gonna probably switch orders. Now I'm probably gonna listen to that one. Now then today's when I was uh, when I was with Cotton Gin hanging out uh, back when he was down here, he was made a bunch of commentary on Dave. He's a big Dave Jones fan, and he he said what he likes the most about Dave Jones is he's very careful about what he says and exactly what points he's willing to make and stand behind, and he won't say anything unless he's damn sure it's the right thing to say. And, he, and there's a little bit of the the curtain gets pulled back in this last episode where he we reveal where some of that comes from. I don't know if uh, I don't know if he knew that it was obvious, but at least like uh, once he point once once this guy pointed it out to me, uh, it it became obvious. Uh, Interesting. There's, yeah, there's there's something going on that made him uh, maybe sharpened him a little bit in his life, uh, and so you're gonna have to listen to podcasting 2.0 to hear that. But that was a great story uh, in. You know, it wasn't a great story, like, because, you know, bad stuff was happening to him. <laughs> it was great to listen to, I'll say it that way. Uh-oh. Yep. Now you got me all intrigued, man. Yeah, you gotta go uh, look at it. And gotta do it. Gotta um, do it. We had some breaking news, uh, Bitcoin stuff. I put a link to the Bitcoin uh, magazine article. I tooted this earlier. Uh, this was the uh, Hungary uh, put out a statue of Satoshi Nakamoto. Very nice. And the the... How'd they get him to sit for that now? Now, I'm just... He kind of looks kind of like a Jedi or something with the robes. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's got a very long neck if you look at him the, the wrong way, but they put an anonymous kind of flat, uh, featureless face on there. Like, nondescript face because he's anonymous. And uh, that's a cool statue. I like the idea of it. It's like... Uh... That's the Illuminati, doll. That's just the regular guy <laughs> Illuminati, man. I'm waiting until I can get my uh, my plastic uh, 
Figma version of it, you know, like the anime figures. Now that he has a face, because as far as I know, this is the first kind of official uh, take on his face. You know, there's people have imagined what he looks like, right? But now yeah, that he they, looks, now that like now a he, police sketch, yeah, it does. <laughs> where you the know. where the witness didn't see much. He kind of looks like, um, you know, like RoboCop. A, RoboCop, he, if he didn't have the helmet on, it's just his face. No, he's wearing know. a hoodie. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think the hoodie is perfect. Uh, they imagined him in a hoodie, and it's yeah, it sounds about right to me. But anyway, that was a little bit of fluff. Um, the uh, the other bit of news that I I also posted to uh, podcastindex.social was and I wanted to get your take on this. There was um, a study from Payments P Y M N T S dot com that was somehow it got came to my attention, and then uh, I reposted it. And it's a story about the adoption and use of Apple Pay. And it's not crypto, but it's, you know, it's a digital payment service kind of sure. thing. It's sure. a shot across the bow to payment card transactors, I guess, in a weird way. But I don't know. I think the back end still like Visa MasterCard. Yeah, I think uh, I, I use, so I use Samsung Pay. Wait a minute. You use Samsung Pay? Yeah, and all it is is just uh, literally I forgot my wallet. That's all it is. You're still using your, like I have my Visa card and my Discover card on it. And when you hold it up against a uh, payment system, your phone is basically, from what I understand, now I'm not really the microwaves guy here, <laughs> but what I from what I understand, your phone is emitting a signal that basically mimics what the magnetic strip is doing when you swipe it. So it still works on any terminal. It'll work even, really? you know, even oh, if they cool. have an old one, you just hold it up to the thing and it emits that signal and it talks to the strip reader and it's just like swiping your card. Well, it this mimics sounds, that. This sounds like a huge security hole. I mean, I got to park outside of a 7-Eleven with a antenna pointed at the cashier and wait for someone to use that. Don't I get I, uh, a dump of the mag strip then? I'm always uh, thinking about, I always wear a vest everywhere, and I really want to just make my own vest with a custom uh, Faraday pocket, because the shit's oh, yeah. getting too crazy. Well, here's the the little news about Faraday cages, that is a Faraday cage is a theoretical device, and in reality, just putting some aluminum foil on something doesn't uh, always knock down the signal as much as you think. Imagine that it will, and I'm speaking as someone who's done this in uh, controlled electromagnetic environments, trying to isolate different things and putting, literally putting aluminum foil and tape and trying all these different stupid ways, and uh, it is a hell of a lot harder than just putting a little bit of foil or putting it in a little bag. Uh, but 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 Amazon says, <laughs> yeah. Was, you know, when you talk about electromagnetics and you get on uh, Amazon.com, there's so much. So many lies on performance of parts like antennas. If you go and buy a Wi-Fi antenna, um, mm -hmm. they'll they'll quote it as having 10 dBi of gain. That's 10 dB above an isotropic antenna, and then you actually test it, and you're barely above zero. It's it's shameful how much they lie. And if you read the comments, people just say, "Oh, this was great." Five stars. <laughs> it, it fucking worked. Yeah. If I, you're a sap like you know, me, you're like, "Oh." Ten dog biscuits. That's pretty good, man. No one, nobody work, can measure work better the than my game, uh, you know? work better than my truck, which has a busted off antenna. You need um, 
the baseline equipment you need starts at a million dollars. Uh, oh my to, god! To well, yeah. <laughs> and I know because I had to spec out some of this equipment. Uh, I actually spec'd out a new scanner. I said, "Yeah, yeah, what would it cost to just buy brand new things?" You start at a million dollars for the most basic one, you know, uh, to make that kind of measurement. And it's uh, it's tricky to do. Even the manufacturers don't even do it. The manufacturers don't have a clue what their specs are. They just yeah, write down they're... something that sounds good and they post it on Amazon. FTC won't go after them. FTC. Uh, well, they've only brought in, they bring cases against antenna ma- manufacturers. Um, and I did some research on this a while ago trying to find out how come you can just lie in, 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 U- in the U.S. commerce system. Uh, so in interstate commerce, you're just doing false advertisements on, you know, verifiable things, the technical specifications of your product. You just lie about it uh, to, to make the sale and nothing happens. FTC doesn't care. Well, the only way they go after antenna manufacturers is if you lie about, like, what channels you can receive. Not the technical specs. So the case that I could find, the only one that I could find that they were pr- prosecuting was an antenna that said, um, oh, well, use this uh, HD to get free t- HD antenna. You get free TV, and you get all your favorite channels for free. And they looked at it and said, whoa, what if my favorite channel is the Disney Channel? You can't get that over the air. And they got no HBO package, man. And so they go after people for stuff like that, but not the uh, not the technical specs, not the true crime, which is (laughs) they they lied about the specifications routinely. It's it's a sore point for me. I'm still irked about this. Well. There you have it, listeners. If you need an expert witness, hey, if you um, want to hire, your case hire an antenna the, uh, engineer, an EMI expert, I am looking for a job. So give me a there call. There you go. Hit me up, uh, and uh, I can uh, help you out with all that stuff. Hey, listen, you dicks! Send money. <laughs> and there's your cue to boost. <laughs> there's your cue to boost. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So as far as podcasting 2.0 goes. I was, I put a note in my notes about Hawaiian bread. (laughs) I'm trying to remember what the hell I wrote that for. And I think it was because you mentioned a long time ago, you had this idea about recipe sites. Oh, that was it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I said that on the dev call. I've been on like three of the podcast 2.0 dev calls. I've missed uh, every single one of them. Every time I'm on a dev call on podcasting 2.0, it's it's so, like, it's a cool community and everybody's just kind of saying what, they're gonna do and stuff mm-hmm. and then everybody's just kind of like oh yeah okay spencer why are you here while <laughs> the whole time i'm like sitting here like why why am i here yeah. that's a good question why like i, I don't know i'm like i'm like that idiot who just like i really would love to be involved in doing things but i don't really know how to do things <laughs> and so i'm just kind of like a pulse you know i'm like a body i'm like well yeah. i can cheerlead and <laughs> I'm, I'm a quick learner and then when it comes to it and stuff like that uh, people are like, okay, well then learn this. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's, yeah. I'm in this weird spot where like the IT, everyone who actually has IT experience understands and recognizes very quickly that I'm a total retard. But then everybody with no IT experience thinks I'm some kind of a fucking half genius or something when yeah. it comes to it. And I'm like, no, nah, no, no, really not. No, no. Oh, man. I can uh, pick a hexadecimal color like a motherfucker. <laughs> I can I match know. that. Get the color triad in, uh, I, in base 16. I, 
I know all about color.adobe.com. <laughs> we'll get you a complimentary uh, color scheme going on yes. your beautiful shit. But Complimentary bikes you know, there. My my IT experience consists of I paid too much money for a um, C-sharp boot camp. And so the boot camp consisted of a little bit of C-sharp programming where we made like a dungeon game, you know. And then most of it was just building web apps that are copy-pasted fucking templates that you add your own you know back end into yeah so you you kind of build the database but the schema is already given to you and like the scenario is already given to you and you're basically just taking it from point d to point f yeah you know meanwhile all the real work was what kind of databases exist what kind of database software should i be using and what are yeah what it what problem am I trying to solve? And is the database even the right choice for this? And, uh, well, I didn't even know like how niche it was to be making an MVC5 uh, web application on the, the .NET framework, you know? And then everybody's like, oh, you don't know .NET Core? You don't know .NET Core? Well, can you make it on Core? It's like, well, I probably could, but I never have before. <laughs> Because it's all been on framework. Yeah. Uh, and then you get out in the real world and you're like, oh, so I know basically nothing. That's yeah. fun. That's fun for 24 grand to just know nothing. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I went and, uh, like I said last time, I was getting back into looking at some web standard stuff. It's changed a little bit. I think the last time I looked at HTML, it was before HTML5 came out. Uh, it was the last time I really looked at it. Yeah, and so yeah, I'm looking through. I I keep seeing tags that I didn't know existed out in the wild. Now that I'm viewing source on a bunch of pages, and you know, I I told my story last time about my uh, my problems with JavaScript and realizing I'm doing it wrong and all this. Yeah, well, but I got my uh, my personal website up, uh, ablekirby.com. People can check it out and see the stuff I've been doing. <laughs> it's it's really a partial uh, thing of my non-professional. Uh, it doesn't have my real resume on there, unfortunately. Oh, uh, you can't be docs via ablekirby.com? No, no. So disappointed. Yeah. I did see a... Uh, Carolyn uh, Carblane sent me a link to some... I don't... I'm trying to figure if it's sketchy or not. A uh, web page that does... I won't plug it because I don't know if it's legit or not. Uh, <laughs> it's some kind of connect employers who value freedom with employees who value it too is the tagline of the site. Oh, sounds like an FBI honeypot. It is a... Uh, Something. I'm not sure. I don't know. They have my, my name and resume now, so we'll see if uh, anything happens. So, so pink, uh, from a design aspect, is, a, is an interesting choice. Why'd you pick pink? Just Kirby. Kirby, I, I okay. <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. That's a good answer. Good answer. It's not quite the... Did you... Uh, you didn't color select Kirby's pink. This is a different, slightly different pink than Kirby. No, I, I uh, just picked a pink that I liked. That's actually... Um, from a template of a PowerPoint, because I did some stationery a long time ago. Oh, okay. And so I kind of copied the the theme of that with the same font and everything. It's, it's, not, it's two pages of HTML with a little, some mediocre CSS in there, and uh, that's all you get. That's Your career uh, stats for Cats Herded, what's that at? Uh, none so far. <laughs> They keep oh, get, so you're lying keep, on your resume already. They keep getting away. It says I'm a cat herder, <laughs> not a uh, not a cat uh, and catcher. a consultant. You consult cat herding as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't ask about cats caught, just herded. Yeah, 
I've got I've got over so ten cats is... caught or herded. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you just got to stir the kitty pot, and you're, you've herded them all, really. Oh uh, yeah. No, I'm just trying to put you on the spot. Yeah, I like your site. I always thought when I went through design, it's like I really like things to be pretty and modern and responsive, but it's also so bloated, and that's like what I learned. That's one of the biggest things I learned is like how much bloat there is just in everything now. Yeah. And so I thought it would be a good design practice to just have a little brutalize me option up in the corner or something where you can just click it and you just get served basic HTML and CSS and there's no JavaScript even at all. Yeah. Because I know a lot of guys roll around with JavaScript disabled anyway and so you don't want to be like not letting those guys access any of your content. Yeah. I thought, man, how hard would it be to like give a brutalized version? It'd probably be fairly simple. Usually they use the no script tag. So you can put a, a section in that says, hey, if scripts are disabled, show this instead. But, sure, you know, yeah. It, with, it, when you find those that actually work uh, and, you know, don't compromise all the functionality of the site, you know, those are few and far between. Yeah, most people who are like, rolling around with uh, their scripts off also are like blocking anything that looks at that the scripts are off and they're like yeah they're just behind this fortress they're like i don't really want to experience the internet i want to roll around not experiencing the internet <laughs> well i use it because i use uh an ad now we're just on general internet topics now it doesn't matter <laughs> we're just this is a rambly show i guess the um the thing that i really like is you block scripts on a news site Something sure. where you're just trying to read the article, and uh, it gets rid of the BS, it gets rid of the nags, it gets rid of all kinds of stuff that you don't want just by turning it yeah. off. So. Those are some of the worst uh, sites in existence right now. Just just to bring it back around to Hawaiian bread, that was one of the things I, I had a problem with was I was uh, I had some Hawaiian hot dog rolls, and I was trying to think, what's the difference between Hawaiian hot dog rolls and uh, you know a regular hot dog roll? And I'm just trying to find basic information on these things. Sure. And you go through t- 10 pages or uh, 10, 10 links, 20 links through search engines, and you can't find anything. There's no good information. I think Wikipedia had an article uh, that was a list of different kinds of roles, which had the only reference that was useful on it. It's like, hmm. what is Hawaiian bread? How is What's different about what it's made, and what, what do you do different when it's served? And I, I found out my answer. You know, it's just a sweet bread. It might actually be Portuguese. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, just... A simple question like that, I would have loved to uh, to find, you know, the one guy who, uh, to you know, if you had that app, the recipe app you were talking about that had all the cruft yeah. removed, and it was just, here's information about Hawaiian bread. You know, oh, I know. Hawaiian I think rolls, you know? I still want to make a little recipe hub. See, this is the problem with being a guy that comes up with ideas but doesn't really know much in the way of implementation you just got to keep saying what your idea is and then hope somebody yeah. else is like oh i that's easy to make i'll I, make that i would have boosted that bread and i didn't even cook it i just bought right. it i just wanted to learn about it you know i would have boosted the bread well it's sad because every recipe website you go to it's like it starts out with a fucking blog post yeah with the recipe title in it like eight times it, it, oh it's because it's driven completely driven by things besides whether the user uh, enjoys reading it or not. It's like, right. well, it's, it's going to be SEO. It's just gonna be SEO. Everything. Just SEO. 
Oh, hand-breaded pan-fried chicken. When I made hand-breaded pan-fried chicken to take to Thanksgiving, my, my aunt was commenting on how great the hand-breaded pan-fri- <laughs> pan-fried chicken was. <laughs> my, my four kids love it, and every time I say I'm going to make it, they jump up and down, and they beg me. Uh, and it turns into a biography, right? And you got to scroll uh, three pages down to, just to get to the goddamn ingredients list. Yeah. Where yeah. you can click to, like, add it to your cart in some weird-ass third-party app. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, well, so. Recipes are dead. Long live recipe. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, it's the world we live in. But we can't do anything about recipes right now. Uh, we can do something about music. And so we have True. the... Well, the thing about music was on the Bobcast, Bobcat Index. Um, I'm, I'm reorganizing a lot of things. I don't think Bobcat okay. Index is the right name for anything. I like Bobcat Feeder. Okay. For the name of one piece of software, but... I'm kind of leaning towards, uh, leaning away from the grandiose plans of, oh, it's an organization with a bunch of websites and everything, and kind of getting rid of the crust and saying... Trimming the fat. Yeah, there's only one thing that I'm doing. One is, we're making an album, and then the ancillary, the extra bonus thing on the side is, I'm also making a a little piece of software to make the RSS for it. That's really part of making the album. Sure. I want to make sure I, I refocus everything on that. Speaking of it, and just after I say I'm refocusing, uh, I, I need to say the other two things that I did were completely unfocused. Uh, uh, oh, rare rare encounter. Yeah, I got a, I got a, some rare encounter scripts I developed uh, for use. I heard you talking things, about yeah. that. I got one to do the uh, the ID3 tags now, and that's just fun. And then I got the, the Twilight Clock. I'll talk about that on Rare Encounter next week, but it's going to, it's, it's a cool little uh, script I built. Uh, it might play some sound on the next episode of Rare Encounter, so we'll see. Ooh. But, uh, yeah, that's all a we little, had on... A little, a little alert so you don't miss it. Yeah. On, uh, well, that cricket's still going, man. He is persistent. I've never had this problem, because usually, I don't know about crickets and their lifestyle. I'm not really, like, <laughs> read into crickets, but I'm, I guess they're just not late-night creatures, because every time we're down here late-night, I've never heard a cricket. Hmm. But this dude is persistent. Uh, maybe they're. I think uh, you can uh, tell the temperature of uh, the environment based on the cricket's speed too. Huh, that's interesting. I've yeah. never heard that one before. They chirp faster when it's hotter. That's what I've heard. Hmm. It's higher metabolism. Like the clock speeds up. They got overclocked. I read it in a book once. <laughs> I got hot and I'm overclocked. <laughs> yep. Oh boy. So as far as music goes, um, I did not do any of the things I said I was going to do, but you did the thing uh, that you said you were going to do. I know. It's a weird week, right? <laughs> it's it's, it's backwards. Like total op- it's like opposite world. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I laid down drums, and I want to relay them down. I assume that we're going to go and like re-record a lot of this stuff, or like maybe. S- some of it is. Um, I, I've done, um, like I've given you my rough take, and sometimes I'll just like walk away Mm -hmm. uh, once I've got stuff down and then I'm like I'll get to a certain point where the thing that I'm re-recording is so small and like probably insignificant that I just am like all right well there are other songs to do just like just render the shit and send it yeah and so that's what I did I rendered it and sent you and I sent you I think an mp3 version just to like listen to Mm -hmm. it and then I sent Fletcher a a wave uh file so that he can start doing bass on it if he wants. Yeah. 
and uh, then you've got the MIDI on it. Uh, also, you sent me on a rabbit hole oh, with no. the uh, reinsert. Yeah. Reinsert. So I kind of tried to plug it in and do it, and I was trying all different selections and menu items, and then I read a lot of documentation that was, like, not at all helpful, hmm. um, at least to me. Oh, it just um, didn't It didn't work then? Yeah, I just couldn't figure out, like, what the hell I was... All of the cases of use were, like, basically DJ machines, it looked like. Hmm. And so I couldn't really figure out, like, what I was... What the software does and then, like, how to translate the... It's like, you preserve your effects and then it resends the MIDI signal to your machine, right? So basically... I don't know... It seems like it's like playing Reaper will play your drum set with whatever you play the drum set with or something. It's like an extra the way reloop that, back in. The way that I used it was with a drum machine. Um, and the, what I would do is record the MIDI from the drum machine. You know, as you're playing it with the sounds it's making, right? Right. And so you hit record, you play along with that. And then after you have that take... You listen to it and you say, oh, you know, that uh, cymbal hit was a little off or something. Or that kick drum, actually, I hit it three times and I, I, I kind of want to thin this out. So I'm going to delete a couple notes. Sure. Edit it. And then you can play it back through the machine. Basically, it's like a reamping process, you know, where you have the, with reamping, you have the clean version of the guitar. You play it back through an amplifier and record the output. Um, okay. Is is a process called reamping. It's kind of the same thing for the drum machine, you know, where I, I performed it, I recorded it, now I cleaned up the recording, but I still want to have the uh, I still want to have the sounds from the drum machine play through, right? And so what yeah. you do is you play the MIDI to the drum machine, you know, the edited, the perfected MIDI gets written out to the drum machine, and you record the audio on a separate track, and that's what okay. I use it for. Interesting. It, I guess that's how I imagined the use. I guess I, I, I wasn't clear on the, the last episode. But I'm also so... just really bad unless I'm, like, in front of it, picking it up and actually using it as to, like... I'm know. discovering how bad at a... Well, I, w I won't say that. I'm discovering how difficult some of these projects are to, to manage. The communication um, it's just... barrier, it's like, you don't really realize until you're going through something, like, what a difference it makes. Yeah. Being in the same room and talking to somebody versus, you know, being on opposite sides of the country. It's definitely a challenge, you like know? Like the, these bands who would go and they'd say, well, we're going to Montana and we've got an Airbnb, you know, an Airbnb for two months. And the whole band's yeah. going to live there and we're going to write and record the album and that's it. You know, it's, you can see how that kind of crap works. Um, yeah. It, Once you're all in the same room and then it's like, I don't know, the the focus is there and you're like... It's on top of mind because you're just surrounded by it. You know, you're immersed in it. So what I want to do for our uh, our music project is narrow the scope a little bit and see if we can. Because some of this, right now, we have, I think, four solid songs that are almost done. Um, some of them need bass. I think the like wine uh, tracks are are there. Monday Ghost needs more work than everything else, but. but Making yep, Beans, as far as I'm target. concerned, is done as well as it's going to be. Willow Brown is basically done. Uh, I think it needs a bass track. Like Wine, if it gets a new bass track, that's fine. If we use the bass track I wrote, then that's fine too. 
Um, basically, with the drums, like wine is almost complete. It needs, you know, the touch-up stuff. Um, did you get a second to listen to it? Yeah, I did. I listened I to it last up, night. Uh, I ended up going with, you know, there was two options and then maybe a third option that we talked about on the end of the last show. Mm-hmm. And the third option was that off offbeat snare that like on the end of I th- I don't remember what I said because I couldn't find it properly in the show. I think what I played was not what I went with, mm-hmm. but it ended up being like the favorite my favorite one as far as feel and sound because yep. it's just like it's a little bit different. It's almost like some uh, uh, the cranberries did that a lot where the snare would just be like on one and beat. Yeah. Just a little um, bit more like laid back and flowy. Yeah, well, uh, I I can't play it right now. I tried just tried to play it through uh, the player here, and it's not having it. So, oh no, I, I'm not, I can't do that today. I bet I can do it. <clears throat> just a little clip of it would be fine. Sure, just a. I can get the uh, basic idea of what I'm talking about with that. Snare on the end. Yeah. Where are you at? Uh, Where you at, dog? Where you at? Where you at? Hey, speak up. Where you at? You got to hurry up because I'm going to be able to play it before you can if you Uh you wait. Well, 20 bucks says it's not even going to be lined up with the right stupid audio thing anyway. Uh, Yeah, you know. That's okay. There it is. Yeah, I got it. I got it first. You beat me. You beat me. Yeah. Oh, I hear the the sna- the snare on like the one end. Yeah, it's on the, it's on the end of two. One, two, and two, and four. And then at the end of it, I just skip forward a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same beat there. So some of these um, the the hats, I found out some interesting things about the drum program I use. Okay, they. The note length matters a hell of a lot in how it sounds. Yeah, you were telling me about that. I, I did some tests today just to see how, because I always knew it had that effect. Like, um, if the note on and note off are right next to each other, it makes a sound. But if you have the note on and the note off uh, comes later, then it rings yeah. out a whole lot longer. And so by, yeah. by adjusting that, you can really tune the sound of the hats to make them sound really lush. Kind of like... Oh, I like this. Yeah, this is the funnest part to play. Yeah. Because you can just that's the ma- open it the all the way part. up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the... the part. That's the part where it's all supposed to be 127. Yeah. <laughs> In velocity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the rock ending. That, that was like, uh, I always imagine like a Coed and Cambria song or something. That's okay. the, the insp- I don't know why. That's what it comes to mind is like the bridge of a Coed song from 2006 or something like that. But gotcha. That's just the where like the sun comes out from the clouds. Yeah, and yeah. The meadow and ah, uh, well. It's funny that you you have these ideas in your head of who you're copying, and it doesn't sound anything like that, you know. Right. <laughs> I did a I did a track where I was like, yeah, I wonder this would be like if MCR wrote a song like, like My Chemical Romance did a song song like, and it came out, but it didn't sound anything I know like who them. MCR you know, is. you just stopped. Uh, well, you know, you got other people listening. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. That's true. Oh man. 
So, um, one of my definitely one of my high school favorites. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I I'm the derailer today. That's my that's my position. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the promised technical topic. We're a little disorganized on the show, but hopefully not too much. Um, I promised I'd bring a technical topic, and I was going to bring MIDI. Um, and so I did some research on the history of MIDI, and and the bottom line is it's just not that interesting. Uh, um, oh. You know, it's a serial protocol. It's basically RS-232, which is, you know, serial port communications, really old standard. And the uh, the history of it was that the different music companies were all, they all had their proprietary digital systems and, uh, there was some argument over whether they would have, well, if we want to do have one keyboard control another synthesizer, you know, what's that protocol look like? And so I guess the old way was you had, or if I wanted a computer to do that, you know, you had voltage boxes, what they called them, so you could get the control voltages out to synthesizers or um, different companies had different approaches. Everyone's trying to do their own thing. And they all got together uh, in a story that reminds me a little bit of podcasting 2.0 and i was hearing this guy recite he's talking about the 80s getting together and and uh they had to design a standard and they did it in like a year they just said okay what do people want to do and anyone could bring up any idea he invited everyone in the industry to just show up at a at the conference and they had a consortium they voted if if people were in favor it went in the standard if not it wasn't and they're going Very off cool. along, how, you know, comparing it to technologies like MPEG and look at audio visual protocols and uh, file formats and stuff like that. How long do they take to standardize? And it's five or six years or 10 years. And he's like, there's references to, you know, by the time compact discs were out, they were already obsolete, you know, because they've right. been sitting in the, in the, in the oven for years and years and years while people, tr- worked on the, the standard and tried to agree on every little detail. MIDI didn't do that. MIDI said, okay, this should be done. We all agree it should be done. We're just going to do it. And, you know, there's there's a story I heard about uh, some of the, the days, maybe five years in, where there was a guy, Moog, of the Moog synthesizer. Uh, oh, yeah. That guy uh, had called up the, the MIDI uh, foundation and or the MIDI association and said, you know, you really need to talk to this government standards uh, group. Uh, they want to, you know, they kind of get in between this uh, on the standards. They make sure that everyone gets uh, a say and, you know, it protects you from lawsuits. And, you know, you're going to get sued if you don't go through this government standards board. And so they had, a, I forget the name of the board. They brought this, the, the guy shows up at a at the MIDI association at his office, the engineer worked there. And, uh, yeah. Uh, he goes, yeah, so... The, what we want to do is we're going to take the standard, we're going to give it to all of the competitors, um, and uh, then they have one year to point, oh, this is wrong, this is bad, this is, uh, you know, this could be done a different way better. They have one year um, to send all their comments in, and then what the government expects is that they're going to take all of those comments and look at them, and the standard can't be released until all of them are fixed, and they do another round, and people criticize it, and oh, they basically... This is the reason that some of these uh, these standards working groups suck, and they yeah. can't do anything. And MIDI because they want to get all this government <laughs> government red tape and extra burden on them. And he's, and you know, of course, all the the competitors are looking for their edge. And if you give them the chance to just sit on it for a year, they're going to poke holes. And you know, yeah. you get a chance to sabotage it if you think your product's going to be better or anything. And 
The bottom line was they didn't do it that way. They did it podcasting 2.0 style. Or I guess podcasting 2.0 did it MIDI style where they just, they got together. Here's what we want to do. We're yeah. just going to do it. And they didn't ask permission to do it. You know, they just did it. And that's why it's still around and in everything. It's uh, for, it's 40th anniversary is coming up, I think. Uh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Like how long, how many pieces of tech actually live that long? You know? <laughs> yeah. Not well, you many. know, screwdrivers. Screwdrivers are yeah. a good run, you know. <laughs> I think of a couple other things, you know. That's, that's brooms, brooms tech. have been around for a while, you know. This guy. <laughs> uh, I've heard tell of the wheel. <laughs> the wheel. The yeah. wheel wasn't too bad. Yeah. So there was the the obligatory mini rundown. Un- unfortunately, it wasn't as interesting. Uh, I was looking for some some nuance and some uh, some details in the spec, but it's no, it's it's RS two thirty two. There's a certain bunch of different frames you send over with different messages. And they all mean note this note on, this note off. And um, sometimes there's extra stuff in there, like a pedal was pushed. Or uh, there's, there's a special set of frames you can send to send binary data, like if you want to upload a sample. You know, it's, it, hmm. it's all very simple. So it's, uh, Simple is the best. It's, the, it's what gives it its longevity, I guess. Oh, yeah. It's... Uh, it's great stuff. So anyway, next time I'm going to do something a little more interesting. I want to maybe do a piece on um, maybe something I could be an expert in, uh, like uh, sounds as signals and waves, and you know maybe we can get into what a stereo image is and some other, maybe some real technical, or maybe what a filter is. Uh, maybe maybe the, the thing that might be most interesting to people is we could go through all the different effects you know, uh, standard audio effects you might find, and what are they, and what makes them special, and uh, how do they really work? So I could see if I it could was, do a topic it, on that. If it was me picking topics, it'd be something far more lowbrow, like the hell thread that Cold Acid kicked off yesterday. Oh, when he just when he just pondered why oh. all of the covers of Bob Dylan's music are better than the originals of Bob Dylan. <laughs> <doing this. laughs> and I say told that? him the I told him the obvious answer, which is that Bob Dylan is a decent poet and a dog shit musician. <laughs> but it kind of stirred the hornet's nest up a bit, a little. Yeah, you know. I saw him uh, post that today. He had a bunch of uh, his inbox was full this morning. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had like. 80 Fetty notifications. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yep. Scrolling through. So uh, people well. have some strong opinions, man. Yeah. Oh, well. I think that's going to wrap us up for uh, for today here. We don't need to belabor the point. Uh, yeah. Respecting your time again, res- right? <laughs> respecting your time, as we, as we say on this show. Uh, doctor I used to work with used to say that. Yeah, to be respectful of your time is what he'd say when he was trying to stop you from take too long to do anything you know right it's like so yeah. just to be respectful of everyone's time we're gonna have to close <laughs> the show now so uh, yeah until next time uh i'm abel kirby and i'm spencer